Welcome to the Diversity on the Hill podcast with Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Curcio. Here are the ground rules for our conversation. Respect one another. Openness. No assumptions allowed. Mistakes are welcome. And let's grow together. Enjoy the conversation. All right, we're back. That was that was a nice long break. Took yep. a nap. Sure was. You took yep. a nap? Ah, uh, yeah. A <laughs> kind of warm in here to take a uh, nap, dude. That's perfect. It's perfect. You like? I'm like sweating. I'm already. Florida boy. It's like you know. Oh, that's true. Laying you do down like in the sun. You just uh, especially after see, eating. See, I'm glad you acknowledge that I am not Floridian. You Ooh, are. You just don't. We had that conversation. <laughs> you are. You just don't want to yeah. admit. Oh, it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Anyways, right. so at the beginning of the summer, like. Right at the beginning, mm-hmm. something big happened and we weren't recording anymore. So we weren't able to kind of get into it. Right. But there was uh, something called Roe v. Wade that was overturned. Ah, Roe v. Wade. And so, yeah. you know, we, we had our conversation about uh, abortion mm, and, yeah. and those kind of things. And so now here we stand at another kind of decision that the Supreme Court has made. Yep. And uh, just trying to get our thoughts collected and maybe, you know, from a, obviously we have our own personal perspectives that probably differ, Mm -hmm. but also maybe a biblical one that doesn't differ as much and trying to, to, I guess, I want to have a conversation to help us put these pieces together Mm. uh, in one form or another. So what is Roe v. Wade that got overturned, DJ? Oh, uh, no, no. Oh, oh, Let's go to the educated <laughs> sorry, sorry, one sorry. for this. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. The history buff. You got it. Yeah. So Roe v. Wade was a decision that was made in the in 1974. Um, it might have been 73. I just read something this morning, but I could Yeah, it could have been 73. It was it's 73 right. or 74. The fact that you know yeah. the year is just amazing yeah. in and of itself. Go on. Um, and I was born in 74. So that's what I think about it, like that it mm. was something that... Uh, and it uh, could have been before I was born, um, that uh, allowed for, that said that the, that the, a woman's right to an abortion um, was something that the, the Constitution protected through the right of privacy, and um, that's the, that was the, the way they made the legal decision. The U.S. Uh, legal system, whether it's in the courts or otherwise, deals on precedent. So they look at, um, you know, what has happened in the past and they hadn't dealt with an abortion case before, but they said, well, you have a right to privacy and that the right to terminate a pregnancy before the fetus is viable was a woman's constitutional right and therefore could not be outlawed by the states. Mm. The Dobbs decision, which got made at the beginning of this summer, said, uh, we don't like that. We don't think the right to privacy is something that exists and therefore the states have the right to to regulate when abortion is allowed so wow. it's not a, it's not a constitutional federal right therefore states have the right to do what they want to do all right okay. so before we we jump in too deep right let's let's put this out there i am not a republican nor am i a democrat um i am straight up independent if you don't if you want to hear more about it check out one of our previous episodes that we address these things PJ, can you tell them how you describe yourself when it comes to political? I am politically alliance? agnostic. There you go. <laughs> and then PC, you don't have to share. I'm but a Christian anarchist. 
boom. So I'm a pacifist <laughs> that would prefer there be that that feel that sees the state and government in general as hugely challenging. But also, I don't have any confidence in the free market or corporations to be given free reign. And so in the world that we live in, the only balance to large corporate power is something like the state that we have. So pragmatically, I tend to vote more progressive and liberal, but I don't like any of it. There you go. So just want to make sure that people know where we're coming from when we have this conversation, right? Now that you know what Roe v. Wade is, and now you know more or less where we stand, I actually, Go. I have actually gone to the thing of I probably will never vote again in my life. That's fair. Yeah, because I don't know, and there's so, no way. Of so, what about non-partisan elections, um, like we used to have for like school board or city council or things like that? City council, I have no idea. If I'm a part of a school board and I know the people involved intimately and I know the thing involved intimately, sure. So it's if, not the of voting it's more like i will participate in things where i sort of know what's going on and it's not partisan so because i'm agnostic i don't know what's what's what like i don't know who's and both of them have standards i love both of them have standards i hate yeah but that's about parties but there's a lot of yeah. non-partisan elections sure and I, I, if i know if i know enough i might be able to vote mm -hmm. so i would I'm, I'm i'm more likely to vote along the lines of if someone said hey so abortion or no abortion Oh, Simple. like, yeah, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll vote there because I have a biblical standard that I would like right. or, or a world worldview, biblical worldview that I would be like, OK, I can vote on that. But I'm not going to vote for a person mm. who has so many different things that I so don't know. So referendums, you would vote on referendums, well, possibly like issues that came rather possibly. than. Okay. But if now, even now, referendums are so long. Yeah. I read a referendum Fair the other day, like when I voted last time and I was like, I have no idea what this is saying. Yeah. And I don't know if this is good or bad. <laughs> Do you know how to fix that? I abstain. Uh, <laughs> I, I tried reading up on it, and it was it made me more confused. Okay. It, it, it truly did. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's all well and good. Well, my, my thing is this. <laughs> you know, like, if you don't want to vote, that's all right. Um, my, my, again, where, where we lie on this, right? Mm -hmm. so, so because I started running my mouth, I guess I'll go ahead and start. I am challenged with this even with my biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'll and I'll say why. Uh, many years ago, when I was in elementary school, I was in a public school. And um, I remember distinctly, someone had come to our church to have a conversation about something. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. And he asked our class, okay? He was like, do you think that we should make people pray in our schools mm -hmm. even our public schools and i was like absolutely we have to pray we got to talk with jesus this is good mm -hmm. you know he's our creator he loves us you know that was my answer and then he just looked at me he smiled he was very kind and he was like but what if somebody doesn't believe in in jesus should they be forced to pray to him and i was like oh now, mind, it was a little kid then. So I was still trying to process what that looks like. Fast forward now, right? I'm older now. And I look at this kind of situation. And, and, I, and I, this is where I hang my, my hat. Love, right? And I believe that God is love. Does not force people to do anything. You have the freedom to choose. And love takes risks. So at the end of the day, 
if you're forcing people to do something, whatever it is, it could be something good and right in your eyes. It's still not loving towards that person. So when we talk about overturning somebody's right to privacy, right, which they're saying we shouldn't have, but then again, everyone is fighting for, it doesn't make any sense to me. Why on earth would you force or not give people the opportunity to make a choice? To me, that is not godly. Even though I don't fully agree. Look, I'm pro-life. I want people to live. I, I want babies to live. But someone should be able to have that choice. The, especially the woman who's carrying the baby should be able to have the choice whether or not she wants to. So we, I don't want to recap all that we talked right, about last time right, because right. I definitely want to fire back some things there. And I know we'll get into that conversation. But if you want to know where we're at, I think uh, I stand more, more pro-life. You stand more pro choice. Pro, yeah. pro choice. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way we kind of, and I know that there's some difference differences there where I, I do think our biblical worldview is pretty similar. Mm. Yeah. And so, right. but the way we get there might it's be different. a, a yeah. little different. And mm -hmm. we're rooted in the same church, yeah, which has gradually evolved on its stance. Sure. And so I, I while point. I do believe that concept of not forcing anyone, I do believe in God's kingdom. There's a set of laws. Mm -hmm. Uh, that some would think is a force. Mm -hmm. The problem is, do you, do you, are you a part of that kingdom or are you part of your own kingdom? Mm -hmm. So the Israelites had rules that we would never enforce nowadays. Mm -hmm. They had some pretty severe rules that we would be, we can't enforce that now because yeah. we're not in that kingdom. We're not in that, we're not in God's thing, but God's thing was based on love. And he's like, Hey, this is going to be your best life possible. And to make sure we keep that, we need to keep these Right yeah. now with sinful people. And there was a lot of, there's always a lot of nuance, a lot of gray areas. So I don't want to get into all that, mm -hmm. but love does hold people accountable. Oh yeah. Of course. Love does demand boundaries. I'm married. Our marriage has boundaries. Right. And to say, Oh, she doesn't love me because she just doesn't let me do what I want. And I have no choice in certain things. No, that's, that's a falsehood. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So, and mine has, mine has evolved too. I've evolved from more total pro-choice to more more pro-life just because I've had kids and I've seen that. And my own story is my mom was, was so distraught that she was told, Hey, we can take care of that for you. Mm -hmm, and this mm -hmm. was in the mid seventies. Right. And I, I truly believe that if she hadn't been rooted in, in where she was at at that moment, biblically, it would have been a big possibility. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there's some things that obviously. Yeah. They plays into it. Right. Yeah, and you had things that, that you shared with us last time Absolutely. that play into your, yeah. play into your worldview. So I want to get more in the fact of how do we how do we grasp these things within our own worldviews and how do we put them as Christians? How do we respond to these as 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 Christians? Because even to me, I've developed this over the past four years even more. I've become more politically agnostic, mm -hmm, and I think it actually sure. ties into this topic here of how I'm choosing to relate to whether it be gun law, whether it be uh, Roe v. Wade, whether it be um, Trans rights, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. LGBTQ rights, all these things that in some areas I'm cool with and in, in a lot of areas I'm at odds with, mm -hmm. with my biblical worldview. Sure. So how do we as Christians deal with these? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we live in a world where there are actually laws that are made by human beings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we could be agnostic and say, I'm not going to get involved in any of that at all. And I'm just, you know, 
what is is and I'm going to figure out how I'm going to respond to it. Or you might be more of a political animal who finds it interesting and, you know, <laughs> wants to wants to be involved. And I have students all the time. They're like, you know, I'd love to like run for city council or whatever, you know. Yeah. And right. I, I find think, it interesting, by the way. I'm and I think as Christians, we, I mean, when I'm at my most purist, <laughs> I'm like ignore everything of the kingdoms of this world. Like that's mm. the most powerful resistance. We belong to the kingdom of God Amen. and it's all fallen and gone. Mm -hmm. um, whether that is the right way to do it and I just can't manage to pull it off. Again, being a Christian anarchist, that's my that's my purism. Sure. That's my idealism. That's what I strive you know, for. That's what I yeah. want. That's what I want. Yeah. Um, I don't want power mongering of any kind. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you set up hierarchies, including in the institutions of the church, we start power mongering, yep, right? Yep, yep. So so I, that's that said, um, the world that we live in is made with human laws. The challenge of any of these laws, and let's, we'll, 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 we won't talk about politics in general. We'll talk about what's on the table, which was both Roe v. Wade and Dobbs. Yeah. Um, what, what, what people who were even people who really believed in pro-choice had a problem with, with Roe v. Wade, is how it was reasoned by yeah. privacy. Whereas there is a lot stronger reasoning um, through like the 14th amendment and other things that say women are human beings. The disrespect that abortion laws give to women, adult grown up women, that they don't know what's going on with their lives and that they don't know what they need. And this happens whenever they say you need to look at an ultrasound twice before you do this, you need the sign off of, you know, other people, all of this stuff that makes you wait and when it says you don't really know what your own choice is. Um, it feels a lot like an unborn fetus is being prioritized at the at the expense of grown up women. And so the right to privacy doesn't really root even pro choice in a, a this woman is just as valuable, this human being. And I tell my, my friends who are parents that your, you are, your life is just as important as your children's. Mm -hmm. Like God loves you just as much as he loves your children. And so you need to take care of yourself, you know, because parents don't often don't do that. And we just were just over in my you know, professional development, we were just shown the image of the like oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your kids kind of thing in order to yeah. say, you have to take care of yourself, mental health, you know, right. before, in order to take care of the kids and the people under your care. Pastors have to be reminded that constantly, I am sure. Because yes. I think of pastoring as a lot like parenting, especially, I've probably told you this, pastors are a lot like stay-at-home moms in the sense that they're doing like super important work and also every day it might feel like I got nothing done today, you know? And so like the the amorphousness yeah. of what your tasks are is really Thank hard. Thank you. So I, I like your perspective. I appreciate it. Just because I sleep in a little bit. <laughs> oh, mean. man. I, I, appreci I, I appreciate you all. I appreciate you all. So, so, that, so I've, I've gone on a big digression. Sorry about that. I just want to say like the challenge of are that laws that are made by human beings are super clunky. So all of the love has boundaries and what that might mean in this relate. Like, I think we all know there is no one size fits all for almost any of the quote unquote laws of love. You know, that what it means to keep Sabbath for this family might look slightly different than for this other family, than for this other family or in this other culture. And so even though we might have strict boundaries on Sabbathing, we don't know what that looks like. So what has happened with laws around reproduction, around what this very sacred thing is when a, a woman 
sometimes with a partner, sometimes with not, becomes a mother and creates a child and a child is growing inside her. And the fuzziness of like when that goes from being like two cells to like basically a baby that could come out and still be alive and recognizable as a baby. Although if it stayed in two or three more weeks, everything would probably be better. You know, Mm -hmm. like that is not clear cut and the laws around it are really hard and cause tons of problems, which is why since Dobbs, the states that have really come in and said, okay, right, we're going to outlaw this. There's all these problems now with women who have had miscarriages and can't get the medication they need and the and the surgeries because the laws are super clunky, you know, around saying and and people literally being stopped saying you're not allowed to cross state borders to go right. get one. So now we're right. going to like try to stop you. And I mean, it becomes the state. And again, as someone who doesn't like the state and doesn't mm-hmm. like power, what we've done here is created each of these states having different laws has created a tons of authority that could potentially be utilized. People can get rewarded for reporting on someone. If you think somebody is pregnant and you think they've terminated, you know, you can now, I mean, the the sheer amount of, of investigation that's going on, it's very clunky because these laws and the laws around this, and it is kind of private. Like you don't know if I'm pregnant or not just because I kind of have a big belly. I put on 15 pounds in the last six months. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. mind your own business. You, don't COVID. comment on my body. <laughs> exactly. You know, like that, you know, you don't know what's going on with me. Yes, you know, yeah, so yeah. so that sort of thing becomes challenging yeah. when we think about enforcing and we think about regulating because the laws of men are clunky. Now, I would just like to say one more thing before we open it back up. And this goes back to something that PJ said, which is I'd like kind of more to vote on issues. And this is what we saw with what happened in Kansas, right? Where if you were paying attention, the Kansas, so there were 16 states that had trigger laws, which said as soon as Roe v. Wade is overturned, we have a law already on the books that was put together by the pro-life lobbying groups, the people who care most about this on the most restrictive form, and took it to their legislators and the state legislatures, like in Tennessee, where there's like 80% of the people are in some ways the most conservative because if Tennessee and other states that are so Republican, no one can win that's a Democrat in the districts that they're in. So the only the only vote that matters is the primary election vote. And in a primary election vote, when that happens, we know that the most um, that people can often outflank on the conservative. So in state legislatures, the ones who tend to get elected are the most conservative. They don't actually reflect what even what the majority of people kind of think in their state. So those trigger laws got put in place immediately in 16 states, including Tennessee. In Kansas, they had something in their state constitution that gave abortion rights. So then they had to overturn through a referendum that everyone voted on. It wasn't a person. It was an issue that everyone came out and voted on. The entire state voted on it. The people in the state, not the most radical of the people who are in the state legislature. The people of Kansas voted on it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the people of Kansas decided they didn't want a super restrictive abortion law. They did want abortion to be much more restricted than it was and not like whenever, but um, they didn't want what the most conservative does. So that, like, I would wish for something, if we're going to turn everything back to the states, which we can talk about the issues with that another time, but if we're going to do that, I would wish it would be more like this, where the people collectively could vote on it, rather than the most conservative that make it to the state house, making these laws that literally make it so women who have all kinds of issues gynecologically 
are in a really hard way because doctors are scared to even prescribe things. Pharmacists won't prescribe things. Like it becomes really problematic. Wow. I would love that too. I would love more votes on actual things. Democracy. Than, than people. Because to me, we don't have a democracy anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once people get voted in, they, they're like shaft in the wind. Hey, wherever the money's coming from, wherever I can win an election. Of course. They're into winning elections. They're not into representing the people. That's what it boils down to. And even when, but even if you're like, I would say it's a tough job. Because even if you're a representative from Georgia, you're representing mm -hmm. a wide variety of people. How can you do that? You can't do that. You almost have to do that on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, while I am more pro-life, I do, and I, I want people to realize that I, to, to me as a Christian, um, and one of the things why I stay away from voting is um, I feel like my worldview states that my job as a pastor is to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the gospel will change people, not legislation. I don't believe legislation changes people. It's, it, it just doesn't. It may change things for a little bit, but their heart is still the same. Their things are still the same. Can legislation help in certain areas? Yes, it can help in certain areas. It can start to turn the tide. But overall, you see that legislation follows kind of the people's hearts. I, I, that, at least that's kind of what, what I think, and it may be idealistic to think that. But I think that once you change people's hearts, mm. they're going to start changing the way they behave. Mm. And that's going to change the mm. way they, they look on things. But like, so Roe v. Wade, I believe that most people, when it comes to abortion, the majority of the people believe in some kind of common sense laws. I, w I would love common sense to be, I don't want it to be super restrictive or wide open, obviously. Um, Do you remember the 1990s? Gen uh, fellow, maybe Gen Xer, I don't know. Yeah, yeah um, I remember where a little bit. They said abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Yeah, I, okay, I could see that. And I'd like it to be, yeah, you know, the last, the last. Rare. Yeah, not the first choice we make. And I, but I also believe the same thing about gun control. I'm not a big gun guy. You know that, Curcio. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty anti-gun. I think yep. they're just for killing. But whatever. Uh, I know many of my people and friends disagree with me. But I believe we should have common sense gun laws. Like, I'm not totally against totally banning them. I understand that's unrealistic. But can we have some reasonable gun laws that people aren't like, oh, you're taking away my guns. Forget it. Ah! And I feel like once you take something away from someone, they feel like... And what both sides do is they take the worst-case scenarios... <laughs> and I know people do that, but I think sometimes the worst case scenarios are need to be looked at as well. Uh, but at least for me as a, as a Christian, I've decided not to get all up in arms when I see a political thing that I don't agree with or get too high when I see something I do agree with, because I know there's always strings attached to that when we come to worldly kingdoms. Well, I, I mean, it also goes to the fact that sometimes you can use policy or legislature, however you want to use, which word do you want to use, um, to not have to deal with the issue. Mm hmm. So you create a policy against it and move on, mm. right? And that's what I feel sometimes we're doing when we make decisions at this level, right? Mm. But what I see from this as a Christian with my little knowledge, if you want to call it that, I don't consider myself the smartest person in the room ever, but the idea is this. To me, this is another indicator for me at how church and state are getting that much closer. Mm-hmm. Where the influence from the church, i.e. conservatives, if you want to call them Republicans, whatever you know, term you want to utilize, is having a big influence on the decisions that we're making. And even though people say that, that the United States of America was a Christian nation and established as a Christian nation, some people would argue that it wasn't. There were some Christian people 
and a lot of them were mm -hmm. inside of the room. But in the end, it wasn't founded on Christian values. They were all Freemasons. Okay, so, <laughs> That's why. so, so, all, so. They all made these weird laws to get us. So Sorry. Lisa could definitely. I'm just, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. So Lisa, <laughs> as our, <laughs> as our historian extraordinaire, could probably speak to that. But, but, but the 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 reality is to me, this is just another step where church and state are just getting closer again, and it's a heavy influence from the church on the state right. to go ahead and make this Without kind of Without other accompanying compassion. Could I just say that? Like, yeah. you know, like if we were consistent as mm -hmm. Christians, conservative mm -hmm. Christians who are trying to help families flourish, life flourish, kids flourish, if it felt like it was going along with, I don't know, letting moms have leave when they have babies. Like the fact that we would restrict abortion and not say a federal law you as an employer must allow a woman who's just given birth to have a minimum amount of time off paid, paid, paid time yes, off that's it. so that she that because we as a society think parenting is so important and that bringing kids into this world with proper care is so important that that's that employers yes of course you're going to make a little bit less money but it's going to be an even-handed it's not the employers who do it are at a disadvantage from the employers that just work everyone to death or say you can't give birth it's going to you you basically either have to quit or become a parent like right. if if it went along with saying we're going to we're going to have health care for children we're not going to we're going to like add more to like preschool we're going to make sure that these kids that come into the world you know are being cared for if it went along with that it would do more for the gospel but what it looks like is people saying we don't like people having sex except in the ways that we think it's important for them to do it and we're going to make it especially for women we don't think women are as equal to men they don't think that they should have the wide choice that they get to have in their life that if you become pregnant you become a parent mm -hmm. like that men don't have to become a parent they nope. can totally leave. but if you have a baby it doesn't matter whether you quote unquote quote just give that baby up for adoption which anyone who's been adopted will tell you that is a super challenging thing mm -hmm. and I come from a family formed through adoption like so i'm here for adoption i have my parents were foster care parents we had tons of foster kids in our home three of my siblings are adopted through the foster care system i have four adopted nieces and nephews out of my 10 nieces and nephews like i am here for all of that and my mother and two of my sisters have had terminations mm -hmm. you know abortions if we want to say it that way they've mm -hmm. had that with with prayerfully, with no regrets, with, and I grew up knowing that, that mm -hmm. that was a thing that we did because parenting was so important and families were so important and caring for children who are brought into the world is so important that you're going to do all of these things. Yeah. So I would just have a lot more respect for my fellow Christians if these laws and this restriction and this increasing like angst but I also want to reference, I think it was PJ that said this, but I, I think PK, you resonate this with every fiber of your being. We have to be able to understand that people come down on other sides of this that are godly people that believe in the word of God, that want to live by faith, and we cannot let this be a litmus test. And I'm saying that to my own progressive Christian friends who are freaked out about the fact that they feel like, how do I identify as like a conservative Christian anymore, you know, or someone who's a Bible believing Christian when this is what it looks like. It's so embarrassing or whatever you might want to say. Yeah. We cannot cut off all those people and say they aren't really good Christians or they don't really love people. They just want to control them, even though it kind of looks like that in the world. Like 
I know people who vote for this and I know that they actually also have love for other people. And mm -hmm. so I, I fully believe this with all of my heart that, um, what anyone who's listening now that finds themselves their blood getting heated up on one side or the other that we have to realize that chill out dude yeah well yeah i mean <laughs> you know and and god's, your given, god's given you passion god's <laughs> given you passion yeah, yeah. that's fine but don't forget that the other human being on the other side of that is the beloved child of god and have some respect for them that they aren't just you know either willy-nilly throwing all morality to the wind or just controlling and power mongering and stuff like that. Neither of those things are those, you just said it, PJ, the, the extremes are the full truth on people. Yeah, they never, I, and, and, and here, here's the thing that I would have loved to have seen um, when, when pro-lifers were discussing this. And, and this to me tells you if you're a Christian or not really, is more of how you treat people, right? right? Does it do any good to be picketing in front of an abortion clinic telling people they're evil as they walk in? No, mm -hmm. that's the last thing a Christian should be doing. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, there should be no Christians at the front door. They should all be at the back door saying, hey, we know you just did something tough. Exactly. Or coming to the clinic with them and being their partner because you're so close to them. And that's the decision that they made. You know, the young person in your church who is willing to confess that. And you're like, do you need someone to be with you? You know, if this yeah. is the prayerful decision you've made and you feel comfortable with this, like, I love you. Yeah. And you don't have to say, I don't approve of it. Like, I feel like our desire to constantly say what you approve of and don't approve of to be like, okay, you're getting married and you're, you know, you're, this is a gay wedding. And yes, I, you're my coworker, but I just feel like you need to know you know, I'm going to go to it because you want me to, but I need you to know I don't approve of that. Like you almost never, I have young people that tell me all the time, my parents feel like if they don't say that they don't approve of this, I won't know that they don't approve of it. Like, I know you don't approve. But you look better with your hair down. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, oh, geez. Yeah, I mean, okay. We love, I think we there's love different personalities. I think there's different personalities in that too, though. Like we, I, I mean, yes. I, I know there are people who are oblivious to what I would be thinking, and and listen, I know it's not my job to do that. I, you know, there's different ways to be supportive. I do think that it's it's not supportive of people to be outside of some place telling them how bad mm -hmm. they are. But this is why we don't want to judge. I mean, yeah, we're we, told that's biblical. Yeah, we don't want to judge. I mean, I, like I said, I would love it if Christians were at the back door accepting them as they came out and said, "Hey, this is." Really or in tough. the lobby with them, like, like PC said. Sure. I mean, I, I Each one has that. different ways of doing it. Yeah. Like I said, that wouldn't have been my way, but that's fine. Or even like when it happened, going like, you know, we'll help you. We'll take care of you. We'll fund yeah. your kids' mm -hmm. preschool yeah. education. Mm -hmm. exactly. We'll help you keep going to school. We'll help you buy the clothes. Or, we'll, or if you decide adoption is what you want, we'll help you, you know, find the right agency. I mean, you know, whatever it is, being being a person that they trust to have the conversation with yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, having the conversation and say, hey, even if you go through it, we're going to love yeah. you and yes. help you through that process. Because there will be, a, you know, there could be a grieving process there. There's, there's a process there in all of it. There is, because again, in the end, even if the person chooses to have uh, the termination or the abortion, however you want to utilize that term. In the end, it is something they have to live with for the rest of their life. Yeah. Great. You know, your mom has no regret. Yeah. Marvelous. Some people right? do. Right? But some people do. And the point is, this is something that, that is, it's on so different parts of the spectrum. I mean, it's just so crazy, right. which is why we go back to that whole idea. You don't know, we don't know the full story. And if, Often, the, if they have regrets the because they are shamed, that's so the majority of women who have terminations in Hamilton County are mar are women who already have multiple children. The majority. Mm -hmm. um, so they know 
what they're risking and what they're getting. Right. So that's different than like the 17 year old who doesn't know, which is I think what we sometimes right, have in our mind right, 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 is right, that, right. you know, like these young people mm-hmm, or someone mm-hmm. who's been fooling around or whatever. Yeah. These are people who, um, the majority of women who have terminations already have a child. Um, yeah. But, uh, and mo- and again, 90% of terminations take place within the first 10 weeks. I mean, everyone needs to know that. Over half of them happen through a pill within the first six weeks, mm-hmm. like over half of them. That is actually how abortion happens in our country. But that's, you know, again, that's, we don't want to get into that sort of discussion. But I, I feel like when you know, up until two years ago at the university I teach at, the Christian university I teach at, if you were pregnant, you got you, you and you were not married you got expelled yeah like what are we saying then yeah. to people like we are of course telling them yeah. that if you want to keep on with your education you're going to need to get a termination or you have to just marry whoever it, it maybe not be the right choice you yeah. know yeah. um and so i think we can make societies and we've now to do us credit we realize that and so we've changed our mind and made it a more supportive place for people to choose who want actually i kind of would like to have this baby or I want the freedom to be able to make that choice throughout the course of my pregnancy and and I might choose adoption or I might choose to be the parent on my own but I'm not going to like lose my job as like a Sabbath school teacher because I'm pregnant I'm not going to you know like this is the thing that we do whereas I like honest to goodness the young men who might be engaging in these kinds of behaviors this isn't happening to them right there's no so, proof Right, but I'm just saying that's, but it looks yeah. like a lot of these laws and rules look like women are not being given the scope of freedom mm-hmm. that men are. Oh, yeah. And so that's part of the challenge with it. So we can create societies where a life flourishing culture is more possible because our policies and our treatment don't, you know, in it punish women in a way that they don't punish the men in the situation. Right. You know? and, and this is why I go back to that whole concept. You brought it up earlier, which is women are not just uh, baby factories. They're human beings. And I think that this is sometimes if we could go back to uh, the thinking when we established a particular policy or legislature, um, we would maybe take different approaches to it. Because in the end, at the time where this was um, voted on, like the Roe v. Wade situation, mm-hmm. please correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this where the women's movement was like really just mm-hmm. taking off right now, mm-hmm. right? And all of this is taking place. Why? Because again, women weren't valued. So, so this is all like, if, if we pause, like here's a great example. I had a young person ask me on Saturday, you know, why is it that the Bible never talks about women? Like, why are they not acknowledged? Why is it always he, him, him, you know, all, all that situation, even when they're referring to women? And I looked at them and I was like, well, you know, and they're like, but this is God's word. And I was like, well, because in the end, you have to understand something. God always valued women. He always did. Even in the Bible, even when we don't pick it up because mm-hmm. the authors didn't put it. But it's because of the culture that was that was existent when the books were written. So you, we can't say, oh, well, 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 you know, God dictated. No, God did not dictate the Bible. There are certain parts where it says, and God said, mm-hmm. and sure, you can go ahead and quote it and go with it. But he inspired people to write, inspired them to write, but they still wrote in their context. It so, wouldn't have made sense for them to write to a 21st century context. We believe that the Bible is historically rooted. It's not like something that exists out of time. So when... Like it, people were writing the creation story. We wish God had been more explicit that he'd use 21st century science words so that we didn't have to figure this out. But the Bible was, but you know what does change things? 
is Jesus. Yeah. And we as Christians, not just as biblicists or theists, but as people who say Jesus is the revelation of God and the whole word that was revealed was leading up to him and he is the light through which we interpret it all. After Jesus, there are no more promised sons. So up until Jesus, barren women always want a promised son. It's always a son. It's never a daughter. That's not the promised child. Mm -hmm. That's not the child you want. Not daughters, just sons. But after Jesus, that's not true anymore. And Jesus blesses the barren. And then Paul blesses women who are not procreative and mm -hmm. says, it's these women who are working in the church. You don't need to get married if you don't want to, which is very countercultural to that. This is the kingdom of God is more important than the Roman and Greek value and even the Hebrew value of delineating a particular genetic line mm -hmm. that now the church is your family. Now we replace your fathers and mothers and this family is more important and you'll take in the orphans and you'll raise them. And we need women who are not procreative who are able to take in the orphans mm -hmm. um, because it's very hard when you have prioritized your own family and anyone who's been, been a, created a family and you go, well, you've already become a parent. Why don't you just take in a bunch of foster kids or adopt orphans? Well, because this is hard enough right here. Oh, yeah. We're just doing well enough with what we got. So we need people who are not procreative because you may have to take care of your kids all of their life. You don't know if your child is going to be disabled. You don't know what kinds of difficulties they're going to get in. You're going to have grandchildren responsibilities potentially. And so we need people. And Paul blessed that for the first time in ancient literature. We have the blessing of both men and women. Both of them are held to sexual continence and both of them are affirmed for prioritizing the work of the kingdom rather than procreation and ge a genetic line. Does that mean God doesn't want anyone getting married and having kids and that families aren't important? No, it doesn't. But it means that a very weird and unusual value was raised um, by Jesus. And the, what happened in the Old Testament with the privileging where barren women are all, you know, that's a terrible thing. And let's make sure you have your son. Maybe you're just your one son, and that's the one that's valuable. That's no longer what happens in the New Testament. And it is freeing and liberating for young women. I would just say, not that they don't have, they're not going to get married and be in families, but the, that Old Testament view, Jesus says, it has been said, but I say. Yeah, you know, right. it was said, but I say. And he does something different, and so does Paul. Right. And that's what I was getting at. PJ's in deep thought. Go ahead. I don't think he does it different. He just brings the root value. That was always there but not always seen. Well, we but, say it was always there well, only because Jesus said it. But but you see No the, one else saw it back then. It was all about it was all about power and dominance though. Well, like and, it's and this the is, same thing that it's and I know I don't want to go in, in different the, rabbit holes. We're going to different rabbit holes, but I have a theory on that with the head, head headship of the home and that would might be another conversation later. Yeah, we can As why that, the male is always seen as the anyways. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that better be another day. I <laughs> know <laughs> hey, it would be way too long of a conversation. Yeah. For this, for this. I, I just want to try to pique your interest. I was like, what yeah. does he mean by you've, that? You've done a good job yeah. of uh, enticing me to come back another yeah, time. I definitely have a Well, we heard you that. might be more available, PC, so that's a good thing. Yeah. We're looking forward to having you around So I just want to wrap it up real quick in a sure. both weekend. I know Let's we've gone it. a long time. That's but right. when legislation like this happens, to me, uh, as Christians, I want to know what our response should be. And I guess, because we're going to disagree on some of it, we're going to agree on some of it. But mm -hmm. as Christians, we should agree. And I guess that's, I guess it's all wrapped up in a bow with kind of our political stance, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Because to me, I've learned to be a little bit more even keel when mm -hmm. certain political things happen. I've also learned that social media is not the place to post your <laughs> opinion. 
you're, you, do, you do no one any favors by posting the fact that my body, my choice, whether it's COVID or abortion, <laughs> uh, it changes no one's mind. Right. Um, so to me, it's, it's less about the legislation and more about how am I going to react to it mm. publicly? How am I going to react mm. to it privately? Who am, who's the person I'm going to be? Mm. The, my anger is not going to be seen as righteous anger by mm -mm. the opposite people. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's only mm -hmm. going to be seen righteous anger with, by mm -hmm. the people who agree with me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can disagree with it yet still be loving. Mm -hmm. Right. I can, I can fight for something. I can fight for a principle while still not fighting for the kingdoms of this world. Mm. And that's something I want us to do. And so, a text that I'm going to repeat a lot and over, and you're probably going to get, uh, and maybe I've already done it, but you're going to really get sick of me hearing about it. But when Jesus was talking to Pilate, mm. he told him, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were so, my, my people would, would fight. Would fight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Christians it. have become good fighters instead of good pointers to Jesus. Amen. So we're pointing yeah. to the wrong kingdoms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's going to be some things you disagree with in legislation. Okay, stop fighting. Let Jesus do the fighting. You can, out of love, point people to Scripture, point people to Jesus. And at least that's my legislation um, advice to you. If you see something you don't like, hey, get back into the <laughs> Word. <laughs> Chill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, get involved. You can always get involved. Yep. Find ways to get involved and still be Christ-like. By the way, being politically that. agnostic doesn't mean I don't believe in getting, not getting involved. You're agnostic regarding the two political parties, not necessarily against like communal involvement and, you know, that sort of thing. No, yeah. yeah. If you feel like there's some place you can get involved and even if politically you feel like you can get involved and know what you're getting into, that's that's on you. I'm not. Uh, that's your choice. Yeah, but I'm going <laughs> to reference, you know, what you were talking about. By Let me go back to pilot. Right. Like, don't just wash your hands, though. Mm. Yeah. And move on. That's that's what I'm trying to say. And getting politically involved is in the eye of the beholder, too. So, like, right. you think about how political early Adventists were. Like, getting involved uh, to advocate against slavery mm -hmm. was a hugely political thing. It led to splits. You know, it was seen as, like, being really extreme, you know, extreme, like by a lot of people. And the same thing with the, the temperance movement. Yeah, the like temperance how movement. extreme they were really is that, yeah, you know, yeah. to like say we're going to outlaw alcohol, yeah. you know? And so the, the um, I mean, actually one of my colleagues who would you'd, it'd be great to have her on, uh, Michelle Soon Lee, she um, was just re researching the Women's Christian Temperance Union, the WCTU this summer. And Adventists and Ellen White, we're involved in the WCTU. And she goes, I think most Adventists don't realize how radical those women were and how most, how most women involved with that would have been seen as like kind of radical feminists, like all this kind of stuff at the time. And so just by saying you were involved with the WCTU um, was signaling something to people. So I think sometimes there's things that people say, this issue matters so much for me. I'm going to be advocating for the homeless. I think our city should make blah, blah, blah laws. And it's going to end up looking like you're super political. Like if you're advocating, you think prison reform is a big thing. So sometimes getting involved with an issue makes you look really political to people. And if God's put that on your heart, you know, and that's something you're doing, as long as I think what is so important is continuing to see other people. This is what Jesus asked us to do something super offensive. And that was love our enemies. Mm -hmm. And very often the world that we're living in right now, our political opponents, it's not just like someone who's running against you in student council kind of quote political opponents. This is like, we see them as our enemies yeah. in this world. And Jesus has said like, make somebody who's your enemy, like pour heaping coals of fire on them, make them your friend and love, like love them. Mm -hmm. And that is a hugely radical thing. And so I think as even if we have issues that we care about and we're advocating for that make us do things that seem political, 
like never forget that the people that are your opponents in that, even though you care a ton about it and you're really emotional about it, are the beloved children of God and you're asked to love them right. first. Yeah. They, they're, they're still your neighbor, which God said to love. In All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's wrap it up here. Yeah, that's it. Because I, I don't know what we're going to do with this. Well, I want to say we want to hear from you. Yeah. You write to us at uh, diversityonthehill at gmail.com. Diversity with the C again. And uh, you can also maybe reach out to PJ uh, at Diversity on the Hill on Instagram because yeah. PK's not on there. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, not, I've not been very active during the summer, and I'm uh, sorry. Maybe, no, we'll, right. maybe we'll get some more. It's all right, there. but we do want to hear from you, all right? But uh, let me pray with you, yeah. if that's all right. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you that we get to have these, well, difficult conversations. Mm. It's challenging. I mean, it really, uh, we're trying to broaden our minds and, and really just see exactly what it is you want us to do. So help us to be open open to your leading, to your guidance, open mm -hmm. to what you're asking us to do, despite whatever we believe, because in the end, this is not about us, but it has everything to do with you and advancing mm. your kingdom. Uh, so thank you for choosing us and for giving us this opportunity. And thank you for your forgiveness and your love. We love you too. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Diversity on the Hill. This is PJ and I'm out. This is PC. It's been fun. Oh yeah. We got to bring her back and many blessings till next time. Wait, who are you? You didn't say I'm PK many. They know. It's no. only PJ, no, PC, and PK. There's <laughs> no, nobody but else. That's not the way we do it. I'm sorry. On, okay, this is PK. Many blessings. Till next time. Thank you. Now it feels right.